Bar Podcast Network presents A Guy, A Bride, and a Bible. Grab your Bible and your person. Mark, he's the guy. Andrea, she's the bride. Open up and read along. Thank you, Dwayne. Hi, everybody. It's Mark. The guy. I'm Andrea. The bride. <laughs> We're nodding at each other, cueing each other here. Well, you have it like your shtick that you say. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I guess I do. But Dwayne just said it, so I didn't want to repeat Dwayne. So I'm trying to be a little more professional. We, have, we got like five more followers. Yay. Yay, followers. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Um, we are here to continue our reading through the Word tonight. And we have... We, we have some stuff that we want to say um, is awesome that's happening in our lives. We just can't share the details. But um, there are a few of you who do know the details and you've been praying. And um, So if you wouldn't mind, if you're strangers to the show, whatever, forgive the, the concealment. We don't mean to be evasive, but we just want to give God glory for what he's done in our lives um, in the last uh, few, few days, we'll just say, uh, for when you hear this. God is doing some miraculous things that are kind of, uh, and they're unexpected. And I guess that makes it part of a miracle. Because if you're expecting it, I don't know, is that a miracle? Jesus is good. God is good to his kids. He loves us. And um, he gets us through stuff. And he gets us to stuff that matters in his plan. His love for us is great. And it's all I'll share about it right now in the open forum. But thank you all who've uh, prayed for us for a couple needs we've shared privately. Thank you so much. Uh, just want to say um, we hope that this podcast bless you all. We are being blessed by doing it. We want to continue to push through and do it even when schedules get crazy busy. Kids have sports, that sort of thing. And my beautiful bride here is a little worn out. We're going to go ahead and read a little less banter tonight. Um, if some insights happen, we'll share. But uh, just come along with us. My beautiful bride here is having some amazing things in her life. God has been good. So good, guys. Thank you so much. Let's do this, shall we? Mm-hmm. All right. We are in um, Isaiah 44 and Luke 17 and Job 10. If you want to earmark those, we'll get to those verses when we get there. But starting with Isaiah 44, 1. Luke 17 and Job 10. So here we go with Isaiah. Let's open a prayer. Father, we praise you for the goodness that you are and that you bestow upon us, your kids. We thank you for your word that is never false. We pray that you would just help us get through it, Lord. In Jesus' name, help us understand. Amen. All right, so open up to Isaiah 44.1. My title here at the Lexham English Bible on bible.faithlife.com. Yahweh blesses chosen Israel. Mine says the Lord will renew Israel. I'd say that's a blessing. So here we go. But now hear Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says Yahweh who made you and who formed you in the womb and will help you. You must not fear my servant Jacob and Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour out water on a thirsty land and streams on dry ground. I will pour my spirit out on your descendants 
and my blessing on your offspring. And they shall sprout among the grass like willows by a watercourse of water. This one will say, I belong to Yahweh. And that one will be called by the name of Jacob. And another will write on his hand, Yahweh's, and take the name of Israel. Thus says Yahweh, the King of Israel, and its Redeemer, Yahweh of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and there is no God besides me. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. And let him declare it and set it in order for me, since I established an eternal people and, th- and things that are to come. And let them tell them the things that are coming. That's just a... An incredible passage. The heading. Yeah, what do you got? The absurdity of idolatry. For verse six. Mm-hmm. Isn't that good? That really is good. The absurdity of idolatry. I like the headings on many books. That's awesome. Verse three says, I will pour my spirit out on your descendants. I have a little note here. It said, Salvation comes with the promise of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which will enable their descendants to enjoy the promised blessing because they will be wholly devoted to Yahweh. This is tied to Joel 2, 28 through 29. Um, that's pretty awesome that we're seeing that tied to the book of Acts um, in the future, the pouring out of the Spirit. I didn't even realize until right now that this prophecy was even in Isaiah. That's pretty intense. And then 7, I love this, who's like me, let him proclaim it. Do you have anything special there? Just let him make his claim. Let him announce it and explain it to me. So, I love that God's calling out the false ones. Yeah, let him call or let him proclaim. Let let him stand up and speak. Those are like the different ways to word it. That is awesome. All right, verse 9. Idolatry is ridiculous. <laughs> Same kind of idea, huh? <laughs> Same idea. All those who form an idol are nothing. And their delightful things do not profit, and their witnesses do not see or know, so they will be ashamed. I love that. And we were just talking about that in Sunday school. Mm-hmm. What was it? It was in Hosea 10. Mm-hmm. And it was almost the same thing. Yeah, and they keep doing the same thing. The prophets... The people keep doing the same thing. Yeah, but, and the prophets keep giving them the same message. I mean, we see it in Psalms even, and, and before that... Um, it says here the idol makers are tohu, T-O-H-U. The same Hebrew word is used in Genesis 1-2 to describe the formless state of the world at the beginning of creation. It's the same Hebrew word. Those who create, in quotes, other gods are not creators in the same sense of Yahweh who formed order from chaos. That's awesome. Verse 10, who could form a god, little g, and cast an image of which he cannot profit? Look, all his companions shall be ashamed, and the artisans are human. Let all of them assemble. Let them stand up. They shall tremble. They shall be ashamed together. Can I just pause? Go. This kind of, maybe this is a weird parallel, but just like the stuff we've been talking about for a while, like deconstruction and kind of the same thing about... um, making up our own theology mm-hmm. and making ourselves the center of everything. Yep. The craftsmen are mere humans. Let them all assemble and take their stand. They will panic and be put to shame. Just trusting in ourselves and yep. in other people. 
You're right. And that's, so back then we're assembling a physical image and here in the 21st century, we're assembling a, 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 a what's we're looking for? An ideological image. Or really like worshiping ourselves. Yeah, we're setting ourselves like, up. Craftsmen or mere humans, like we're putting ourselves, our totally faulty selves as the center of it. That's awesome. You're right. Um, verse 12. The ironsmith works in the coals with his tool and forms it with hammers. And he makes it with his strong arm. Indeed, he becomes hungry and he lacks strength. He does not drink water and he is faint. The woodworker stretches out a line. He makes an outline of it with a marker. He marks it with a knife and he uses an outline of it with a compass. He makes it like the image of a man and the beauty of a human to dwell in a temple. Cutting down cedars for himself, he chooses a home tree and an oak, and he lets it grow strong for him among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar, and the rain makes it grow, and it becomes fuel for a human, and he takes some of it, and it grows warm. Also, he kindles a fire and bakes bread. He makes a god and bows in worship. He makes himself an image and bows down to it. He burns half of it in the fire, he eats meat over half of it. He, ro he roasts a roast and is satisfied. Also, he grows warm. He says, oh, I'm warm. I see the fire. And he makes the remainder of it into a god. He bows down to his idol and he bows in worship and prays to him. And he says, save me for you are my god. Verse 18, they do not know and they do not understand. For their eyes are besmeared so that they cannot see. And their minds are so that they have no insight. And no one takes it to heart, and there is no knowledge. And no one, no understanding to say, I burned half of it in the fire. And also, I baked bread on its coals. I roasted meat, and I've eaten. And I shall make the rest of it into an abomination. I shall bow down to a block of wood. Ooh. His, he feeds on ashes. A deceived mind misleads him, and he cannot save himself, and he cannot say, is this not an illusion in my right hand? Mine says a false god. Yours says illusion. No, mine says illusion right there. Let's see if I've got anything to tie into that. I actually don't. Um, that's just... I love this whole narrative on people actually creating with all their different artisanship creating this god that is an abomination verse 21 remember these things jacob and israel for you are my servant i formed you you are my servant israel you will not be forgotten by me pause for a second it just hit me right when i read that remember these things jacob and israel for you are my servant i formed you he just got done showing us in all those previous verses how we formed our God in our image. Mm -hmm. And this is his rebuttal. I yeah. did the forming here. I made you in well, my image. When you were reading it, I also, like, if you look at all the things about the tree. Yeah. Um, all the purposes. and No, actually, what I got from it before that was... Um, <clears throat> um, he gets trees from the forest. He plants a cedar and the rain makes it grow. Mm -hmm. Like we can't even grow a tree. Like God provides the tree and mm -hmm. he provides the water, the nourishment to 
Mm-hmm. So it's like taking credit for something that you... Mm-hmm. That would be like me taking credit for, like, when you have a kid. It's not like, oh, yeah, I worked really hard at this, you know? Like... Yeah. It's if looking at, like, the process of, like, conception and how a baby becomes... A baby. Just like that, the crazy process of it. That'd be like yeah. me being like, yeah, I really, you know, made them pretty it's, unique. There's an image of you in some sort of trance-like state going, okay, there's the leg, there's the leg. Okay, stop right there, right there. That's yeah. long enough. But it's so messed up that we're like, yeah, I cut it. So I did a great job. <laughs> That's what he's saying, right? I whittled it. I did such a good job. Yeah. Yay me, making a god. Yeah, we can't even, like, make the tools or make the medium. Yeah. That's right. We can't even make the medium make a god. Yeah. That's that's so funny. Okay, verse 22. I have white... I think we just want to feel significant so much Yeah. that we're like, look what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, you're on. 22. I've wiped your transgressions out like a cloud... And your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing for joy, heavens, for Yahweh has done it. Shout, depths of the earth. Break forth mountains in rejoicing. Forests and every tree in it. For Yahweh has redeemed Jacob, and he will show his glory in Israel. That's a party. And none of that is because they deserve it. Exactly. Look at the process from 22. I have wiped away your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like mist. Return to me. This is that teshuva. Come back to me for I have redeemed you. That's past tense. Now I will redeem you. I have redeemed you. So God has already made that way. Now just come on home. Mm-hmm. Come on home. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh man. We're changing a glance here. Just, yeah. Okay. Uh, where am I at? 24? Mm-hmm. Thus says Yahweh, your Redeemer. Oh, wait. Did I do that? Okay. Thus says Yahweh, your Redeemer. And Mine he... says Protector. Protector. And he who formed you in the womb. I am Yahweh who made everything. Who stretched out the heavens alone. Who spread out the earth. Who was with me? Who frustrates the signs of oracle priests and makes a fool of diviners? Who drives the wise men back and makes their knowledge foolish? Who keeps the word of his servant, carries out the plan of his messengers? Who says of Jerusalem, it shall be inhabited, and the cities of Judah, they shall be rebuilt? And I will restore its ruins. Who says to the deep, dry up, and I will cause your rivers to dry up? Who says of Cyrus, my shepherd? And he shall carry out all my wishes. And saying of Jerusalem, it shall be rebuilt. And the temple, it shall be founded. Thus says Yahweh to his anointed one. To Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped. To subjugate nations before him. I uncover the loins of kings. I To open doors before him. And the gates shall not be shut. I myself will go before you. And I will level the mountains. I will break <clears throat> the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. And I will give you the treasures of darkness. Mine says hidden treasures. And treasures of secret places. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's okay. So that you may know that I am Yahweh. 
the one who calls you by your name, the God of Israel, for the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen one. And I call you by your name. I will give you a name of honor. Though you do not know me. Mine says, I will give you a title of respect, even though you did not submit to me. I am Yahweh, and there is none besides me. Besides me, there is no God. I gird you, though you do not know me. So that they may know that from the rising of the sun and from the west, and there is none besides me. I am Yahweh, and there is no one besides me. I form light, and I create darkness. I make peace, and I create evil. Ooh, that's a hard one. I am Yahweh. I do all these things. Trickle, O heavens, from above, and let clouds trickle with righteousness. Let the earth open so that salvation may be fruitful, and let it cause righteousness to sprout along with it. I myself, Yahweh, have created it. Woe to the one who strives with his maker, a potsherd among potsherds of earth. Does the clay say to the one who fashions it, What are you making? And your work has no hands. Woe to the one who says to a father, What are you begetting? Or to a woman, With what are you in labor? Thus says Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel and its maker, Ask me of the things to come about, my children, and you command me about the work of my hands. I myself made the earth, and I created humankind upon it. I, my hands, stretched out the heavens, and I commanded all their hosts. I myself have stirred him up in righteousness, and I will make all his paths smooth. He himself shall build my city, and he shall set my exiles free, not for price or gift, says Yahweh of hosts. That's our Isaiah reading. I want to go ahead and touch that elephant in the room where it says that uh, verse 7 I form light and I create darkness. I make peace and I create evil. My little note here um, says, and it's not too forthgiving. In Genesis 1, 3-4, God creates light separates the darkness. This assertion indicates that the darkness too was God's creation. It was not just there to begin with. In the same way, God is described as creating both well-being and calamity. Yahweh's claim of being responsible for both light and dark, good and evil, may allude to um, another religion of Persia, which centered in a dualistic struggle between good and evil deities. The reference here indicates Yahweh's superiority to both light and dark. The opposition between light and darkness also becomes a prominent theme in Jewish and Christian thought, especially in the Gospel of John and in the War Scroll from the Dead Sea Scrolls. The attribution to God of responsibility for good and evil or well-being and calamity was troublesome to the ancient rabbis who adapted phrases from this verse as part of the Shema prayer. The morning benediction opens with an identification of Yahweh who forms light and creates darkness, who makes peace and creates all things. Their subtle rewording avoids the implication that God himself was responsible for calamity. More... Hard sayings of the Bible. Well, I don't, I'm not going to read the whole note, but um, mine said instead of like, another way to think about it is that he, um, what is the first part of it that you? The verse? Yeah. The verse saying, is, I, I make peace instead of I create evil. 
mine said um, calamity, and it's basically that he can mm-hmm. make peace or he can judge is the way that it was interpreted. So not like he's creating actual evil. Correct. But that he... It's about his sovereignty more than anything. Always is, doesn't it? Yeah, but okay. that verse. Awesome. Yeah. All right, we are moving all the way to the New Testament. Luke 17, verse 11. We're going to start there and go to 18.8. Bride, are you ready? Mm-hmm. I see the heading is different. Yours says 10 lepers cleanse. Mine says the grateful leper. I love the way that these editors do this, man. It's so funny. I just think they had fun with that. Okay. Now on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, raised their voices, and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went along, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He fell with his face to the ground at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to turn back and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to the man, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Wait, wait, wait. Some key about that. Right? Verse 18. Except this foreigner. So. It's about Gentiles. Yeah. It's not even a Jew. It's about salvation and forgiveness and Gentiles, right? Yeah, this is that part where we, we often skip over that Jesus is, is healing and ministering to Gentiles. And we often just right over our head. Oh my gosh, it's awesome. So a note says, The ten men with leprosy would have been unable to approach Jesus because of Leviticus and Numbers. A leper was totally ostracized from society until he was declared cured. So... They, and then they said, have mercy on us as a request to heal them. And um, when he said, um, go and show yourselves to the priests, that was the instructions of what to do with a healing. Yeah, remember so, we went over that in mm-hmm. um, Exodus? Yeah, so he was just going along with the Mosaic Law. Mm-hmm. Not violating the law. You need to go show yourself to the priest. What was that, that wasn't in Exodus. We read that and it was like if you have the, the skin ailment, you need to go show and then that wash, was, then go was, back and forth. That was Leviticus, wasn't it? Or did wrong? Leviticus maybe? Yeah. So meticulous on that. So Jesus man, he's going deep with that command. Um what? and then this says, um, the comment that the man was a Samaritan means that most Jews of Jesus' day would have been despised as a half-breed and a mm. heretic. Half-breed, so Samaritan. The note adds a touch of irony to the account when he said, um, now he was clean, now he was a Samaritan. Wow. Okay. And then Jesus' point in calling the man a foreigner is that none of the other nine who were presumably Israelites responded with gratitude. Only... The outsiders were listening and responding, mm-hmm. which is like the banquet, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Previous, remember we had the uh, the Roman centurion and his daughter Jairus. Gets uh, Jairus's daughter saved another um, Gentile. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, there's so many that we get to see from the Gadarenes, the man in, in the in the graveyard. That whole area was Gentile. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. 
Okay, moving Verse 20. On. The coming of the kingdom. Now at one point, the Pharisees asked Jesus when the kingdom of God was coming. So he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is in your midst, the coming of the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. Then he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. Then people will say to you, look, there he is, or look, here he is. Do not go out or chase after them. For just like the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But he must first suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so too will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage right up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, people were eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. But on that day, Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be the same on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, anyone who is on the roof with his gods, sorry, with his goods in the house must not come down to take them away. And likewise, the person who in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two people in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Then the disciples said to him, Where, Lord? He replied to them, Where the dead body is, there the vultures will gather. A very contested section there, where some have interpreted it uh, in the past as the day of, you know, this is the day of the Lord, or the rapture. Um, But there's nothing that says we'll be caught up in a rapture in this. So that might be an improper... um, interpretation of it and some have said this isn't even like the last days but a time in history that's already passed Um, i tend to read this just in plain english without going into the notes or anything because it's very clear it says just as in days of notes will be in the days of son of man that everything is going to look normal everyone behaving normally and then boom it's done so do you think it is the rapture then not the rapture. That's just it. The rapture is not mentioned in this. I don't want to insert that. It does say that um, on that day, the Son of Man is revealed. That Jesus appears. So he's already here. So he's not referring to this time that he's on earth as we're reading this, right? He's referring to a future tense, a future that has yet to happen. And he's using the two times in their history that they know where sudden calamity fell on them. That was during the flood, and that was during the Lord's judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. So those are key that these people in those cities were unaware that they had been judged, but they were full of sin. And we're close to a place where our country is full of sin. Just take a look at the news. And so when we see people eating normally, drinking normally, going about their everyday business, denying who Christ is, you know, we are seeing a preparation of time, you know, of the coming of the Son of Man, um, as it says in, um, in the title of our section we just got done reading. So there's plenty of indication here that this is, in my opinion, the second coming. I'm not saying it's the rapture. I'm definitely saying it's the second coming of Christ. And we do see that um, he will be clearly 
represented. He's not going to just kind of not be here. He'll be presented and calamity will fall. It's going to be a very terrible day. That's what's important. This is a very terrible day. It's not an exciting day to go, woohoo. This is, we're going to see a lot of death. It's terrifying. Yeah, to there's see a this note kind of here power. on that last part the vultures will gather. Mm-hmm. Jesus' answer is that when the judgment comes, the scenes of death will be obvious, and so will the location of the judgment. Yeah. That makes more sense. It's pretty intense when you really break it down. This is a good passage to kind of meditate on and really study over chapter 17 of Luke to really pour into a lot of these um, these verses that talk about um, the Old Testament pointing to what happens in the New Testament. When God unleashes his fury on sin, it is never, ever pleasant. It's not like he does the Thanos snap and it just ends. He utterly destroys evil and sin. So... Okay, how much further? Uh, eight verses, please, in verse 18. Okay. Parable of the persistent widow. And Jesus told them a parable to show them they should always pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected people. There was also a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but later on he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor have regard for people... Yet because this widow keeps on bothering me, I will give her justice, or in the end she will wear me out by her unending pleas. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unrighteous judge says. Won't God give justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long to help them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So again, that second layer of the, the, the speaking of the Son of Man returning. So this Jesus talking about, he's already here, so he's talking about his second coming. And it's still kind of a hard thing to listen to because it's still confusing even now. So the note for that, will he find faith on earth? The Son of Man is looking for those who continue to believe in him despite the wait. Mm-hmm. All right, let's just move along to Job, if you don't mind. All right, our peoples, we are in Job chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Sometime in 2025, we'll be done with Job, I'm sure. Maybe. And just Job the first 10. 10 verses, yep, 10, 1 through 10. Job continues his response to Bildad. Now, if we were reading this straight through, Job is giving Bildad an earful. Mine says, an appeal for revelation. Let us see. My inner self loathes my life. My word here says soul. My soul loathes my life. I want to give vent to my complaint. I mean, I just want to let it go. I want to speak out of the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, you should not condemn me. Let me know why you contend against me. Is it good for you that you oppress, that you despise the labor of your hands and you smile over the schemes of the wicked do you have eyes of flesh or do you see human beings as human beings see are your days as the days of the humans or your years as the days of man that you seek out my iniquity and you search for my sin because of your knowledge that i am not guilty and there is no escaping 
from your hand. Your hands fashioned me and made me all together. Then you destroyed me. Please remember that you made me like clay, but you turned me into dust again. Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? That's so weird. Curdle me like cheese. So again, we're, we're interrupting Job's lament here. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to harp on Job in any negative way because a couple of reasons. Number one, we're not putting the, the fullness of, the, of his soliloquy here. But another thing is, what we're not seeing is God actually speaking to Job, Job seeking God in terms of, you know, through a priest or what have you, and, or a prophet, and, and having God's response to this. He, he probably feels pretty abandoned right now because mm-hmm. God is so silent. And he has just the tradition of blessings equal God's favor, curses equal God's, you know, um, judgment. So he's battling those things that are within his own worldview, and now he's confused because he hasn't pursued evil. He's only pursued righteousness, but he has he has the same calamity that evil people have. So now what is he supposed to think about God? So he's going through all this. I know I, I felt things like this in my life. God, wasn't I good enough? Didn't I do good enough? It's, it's impossible for me to do good enough. Why do I have to suffer like this? We get to these points, and I, I, I can see this in Job here. That he's just really hurting. And he doesn't want to condemn God and die. He is He's just desperate to hear from God. And that's how I, I see this passage. Mm-hmm. So and I know we get there. We've talked about depression and Philip Yancey not returning our calls. Yeah, I don't know why. Well, maybe we should call him. When we call him out, but we don't call him. Some heavy stuff these last three passages. Um... I mean, goodness, we have the we have the, the the pleas of Isaiah talking about the second coming of Messiah. We have Messiah talking about the second coming of Messiah. We have Job wondering if God is ever going to respond and, and lift him up again. God is in the business of restoration. God is in the business of owning up what he has done. And I am grateful to be on this side mm-hmm. of salvation. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful to have the understanding that I do have, as small as it may be, that God loves his children. Mm-hmm. And he provides for us from that place of love. And even if we go through a hardship, even if we go through some horrific, tumultuous thing, he's still God, the Father. He's not just on the throne, he is on the throne of our hearts. He holds us fast. And I cannot thank him enough for such a thing. Because I know it's not because I did enough right things in my life to deserve it. Mm-hmm. So, but with that, I think our reading is done for the night, Bride. Mm-hmm. Want to say anything, final words? Or are you good? You got a lot to say tonight. I love your wisdom. Um, I'm good. Okay. Well, with that, I'll just let you know that I am Mark. I'm the guy. <laughs> good night, everybody. And she's just cutting me off. So mm-hmm. I'll say good night. Hit us up like you, we ask you every time. Share us with a friend. Give us a high rating of like 18 stars. That'd be great. Drop us an email. Andrea in Mark A at gmail.com. Andrea, the letter in Mark, letter A at gmail.com. God bless you. We're out. <laughs>